You know, it's so bizarre when he shared that during the first service. It, it really blew my mind because when I got home and my, after meeting Brit for the first time, um, my wife said, asked me, she said, so, so what do you think of him? And I go, well, I, I go, you know, there's, there's, I, there's certain guys where I, I think, you know, man, they just really know their theology. Or other guys, I think, man, they're such a great leader. I go, but with Brit, I just felt like, man, he just loves Jesus. Like, like that's what, that's my first impression is here is a man who is just in love with Jesus Christ. And so I loved being with him. And so it kind of blew me away that he said that that was Britt's conversation with him. And uh, because immediately, like when Britt and I met, uh, we just hit it off. You, you know those times when it's just like, okay, this is, this is, this is weird. It's, it, it's, it was love at first sight, you know? <laughs> it was, though. <laughs> it was weird. It was just everything, everything he believed, everything he stood for. And we'd been watching each other's ministry from a distance and just had seen the similarities. And we knew that, uh, you know what, here, here is someone who stands for the word of God, who is not going to back down. No matter how, how unpopular it gets in this world, He's going to stand on, he's going to lay it out, yet he's going to do it in love. He, he's going to do it, you know, it, and he's himself. He's the, he's the it just from all outward appearances, he's the, he's the real thing. Um, I mean, he could be faking, but uh, it, it uh, I really, I, I just, I just love him. And uh, in fact, a couple of weeks ago, I was at Reality LA and got to listen to Tim. He's hilarious. He is really funny. I mean, I, I'm like kind of like a humor snob. Like I'm not, I don't like the courtesy laugh. Um, he was funny. Like I was just laughing the whole time. My wife's like, wow, you have a crush on him too? You know, it's just these reality guys. Um, but uh, just want you to know, I, 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 uh, I, I pastored in Simi Valley for the last 16 years and believe the Lord is leading me to something new. Still not sure in fact, even last night, uh, my wife, as we were flying home from Florida last night, she just said, you know, do you, do you think maybe the Lord just has you in a season where you don't really have a home and maybe you just were just called to float around and encourage the believers for a period of time before we start the next thing? And, and I go, that's weird. That's totally what I've been sensing lately. And, and it, it's just kind of a unique time in our lives where we're going we could just land in any city in any country and just go, let's just stay here for a few years or let's just stay here and do this. Because all my life I've said, okay, I'll go anywhere for the Lord, but I've never really been freed up to do that. And, you know, I've always been careful not to get ourselves in debt because I want that freedom just to go wherever and do whatever and, and, uh, and just be open to the spirit. So it's been a really, really fun season um, in my life. And I've, I've just had a blast today getting to know the church and, and hanging out with you guys. Um, but, but if I'm totally honest, I, I was uh, just in between, just after the last service um, in Britt's office and just praying. Uh, I, I haven't been at total peace um, with the last two services. I mean, they went well. Everything was great. The word of God was taught. And I believe that good things have happened. And I believe it was a spirit-filled time. But you know those times when you just go, there's just something else, there's something else. And um, uh, so if you don't mind, I'm going to go a little bit of a different direction this service. And uh, you can get the tape from last service if you want and go, okay, that's what everyone else heard. Um, <laughs> but here's what hasn't been sitting well with me. Um, when, um, 
Is it really Pastor G? That's what you guys call him? Yeah. Okay, all right, Pastor Yeah, he wasn't sure. But, uh, you know, when he was telling that story about uh, Brit and all, um, and the words he said about me, it, uh, it, it, was, it was hard to hear because, because the last few weeks, um, and, and even yesterday on the plane ride home, I, uh, I had a real time of repentance before the Lord. I was reading through Philippians, and um, I, I love that time on the plane, you know, just, I, I don't know, that just the cell phone can't go off, no one can bug you, and, and uh, you know, if the person next to you is a Christian, you don't have to witness, and, you know, you just like, okay. And I was with my wife, so I was pretty safe, and, uh, and so I just, oh, I can just have some time uninterrupted with the Lord, you know, and just reading his word, and reading through Philippians, and I got to Philippians 3, and, um, which is not the passage I preached this morning, but when he says, indeed, I count everything, verse 8, as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, um, where, where Paul just talks about his love for Jesus. The, what I was saying about just beamed out of Brent, uh, Brent Brit, you know, what just, just beamed from his face and from his words is like, Oh, this guy loves Jesus. You know, I, he, he just loves him. He just loves him, the person. And uh, as I was reading through Philippians, this passage hit me because it, it was just time for the Lord and I where I was going, Lord, you know, I've been totally sidetracked. I've been distracted. I've been thinking about, okay, what's my future ministry going to look like? I'm, I'm feeling all this pressure. I've got to land somewhere. Everyone's asking, where are you going to land? What are you going to do? And so I'm, I'm thinking this. I'm thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I really have neglected just that I love him, personal relationship with Jesus. And as I was, I was reading Philippians 3, and he just says, I count everything as loss. Man, nothing else matters. It doesn't matter that, you, you know, you've got this ministry here, this ministry here. It doesn't matter that, uh, you know, even, even with the family, and we had some great family time together and stuff like this. But, but and another, another issue with me is I, I love to play. I, I love to play. Like if I could surf and golf every single day, life would be wonderful, you know? Like I just like to play and then, you know, I just find myself entertaining myself. And the last few weeks have just been kind of a time of laziness. And not that it's not okay to, to go and hang out and then mess around. I, I think we need times like that occasionally. But you also know when, you know what, I... I here I am focused on all these other things, finding pleasure in things outside of God, just being lazy. And then I read these words of Paul and I go, oh, what happened to me? You know, isn't it weird how quickly, like a few weeks, a few weeks of not just being deep in the word and deep in communion with God and you begin to fill your life with other things and suddenly you start craving all these other things other than Christ and it's almost annoying because you'd think, gosh, Lord, if I've been walking with you this long, can't I just a few weeks, like, you know, and still be close to you? And it's not. It's, it's like a daily. And, and you thank God for that, you know, but, but it's, 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 it's amazing how quickly that, that, that relationship with him can get uh, not severed, but it just you start getting more and more distant. And so I, I just felt like I, I got to confess that to you as I confessed that to the Lord yesterday. 
and really just begged him to restore that relationship and that I would have the self-control and the, the willingness to wake up early, the willingness to dig into his word because I know he's better. I know he's better than all those other things. And it's just been a time where I haven't loved him with all of my heart, all my soul, all of my mind. And so I think that's been bugging me the last two services to just uh, kind of take that uh, statement and say, oh, here's a guy who's in love with Jesus and go... And not say anything, but be honest with you and say, you know, the last few weeks, uh, not so much. Um, it's, it's, I'm not any gross sin or anything like that. It's just that whole, I, I think you're, you're tracking with me. Those times when you just start loving other things that aren't necessarily evil things, they're just not Christ. And you don't consider the other things rubbish. In fact, you think, well, that's kind of cool too, and that's kind of cool. And, and here Paul was, as, he, as, as those words just jumped out at me last night, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So let me ask you this morning, um, what are you in love with right now? I mean, here, there's my garbage before you. Um, let me ask it a different way. What's the biggest lie in your life right now? What's the biggest lie in your life right now? You, you don't want anyone else in this room knowing you've been hiding it. And probably when I asked that question, boom, the answer was right there for a lot of you. You didn't even have to think much because you know what you've been hiding. passage that comes to mind as I was in the office just a moment ago was, was that letter that Jesus writes to the church in Sardis where he makes this statement in Revelation 3, 1. He says, I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Where Jesus made that statement and hey, here's Jesus, the son of God, who just says, listen, you've got this reputation you, you let someone introduce you as this man who's so in love with Jesus. Okay, you got the reputation, but I know the truth about you. It's amazing. He says to this church, man, everyone thinks, oh, you guys in Sardis, you're so alive. You're so in fire for Jesus. You're so in love with him. He goes, but the truth is, is he goes, I look in you. I'm God. He goes, I'm the one, you know, remember that, that I'm the one who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. He goes, I, I, I hold the churches in my hands. I see everyone in you, he, everything about you. It's, it's Psalm 139.1 where he says, I've searched you and I know you. See, I don't know, I don't know any of you. And, and I could try to spy on you. I could try to ask the people around you and try to find out. And I could search you. That word, Psalm 139, 1, searching is like digging, trying to find a buried treasure, looking for something. I could search into your life and still not know the truth about you. 
And you could be just like that church in Sardis where you have this reputation for being alive, being in love with Jesus. And yet Jesus himself says, but, but I know the truth. And the truth is, is you're not alive, you're dead. And that passage always hits me because as a person who communicates, I can communicate anything I want. Most of it, it's not that hard to lie. You know, I, I mean, I, I grew up in Detroit and I spent a lot of my life lying, stealing. See, I didn't grow up in Detroit, I just lied to you. It, it's just that, it's, it's just like, wow, that was hard. You, you, you just, we can all do it. We can all pretend we're something we're not. And what we end up doing is we, we build these reputations for ourselves, right? We communicate to people who we want them to think we are rather than who we really are. And, uh, and that's what was going on here in Sardis. It says, wow, you've got this reputation. Man, that church in Sardis, they're so fired up. They're so good. And, and honestly, man, you guys have a great reputation. I mean, why I reached out to Brit was because of the reputation of Reality Church, because of what you stand for. And I praise God for you. Great reputation. Now, whether it's real or not, only God knows. Um, but, but, but think about it. Let's say, let's say right now, Let's say I went to like some people that are close to you and I interviewed them and I said, you know what? Tell me, tell me about, what, what's your name? Yeah, you, Richard. Okay. Tell, tell me about Richard. You know, tell me about Richard's life. Okay. If I, if I went to your friends, your neighbors, your family, your workplace and I, you know, people in the church and I just started interviewing, Hey, tell me about, tell me about you. And I asked them about you. I want you to think right now people closest to you, what would, what would they say about you? If I went to them and said, tell me about this person, tell me about her, tell me about him, think through the things they would say. You got some thoughts in your head? What they would say? Okay, let me ask you a second question. If right now I could go into the throne room of God and speak to God himself. If I could have a face-to-face -face conversation with the holy God who knows everything about you, and I said, you tell me about Richard. You tell me about Lisa, Tammy, whatever your name is. What would he say about you? Would I get the same answers from people than I would with God? Or would the people say much more flattering things about you and good things about you than God would? Because that was true of Sardis. The people would have said, oh, are you kidding me? That church is the greatest. Here's the people there. They're in love with Jesus. They're this, 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 this. And Jesus comes along and says, man, that's great. You got them thinking that but here's the truth about you. You're dead. And I look at that passage and I go, man, people have said some very nice things about me. And at the end of it all, though, there's one person who knows the truth and I stand before him. And that's why Paul says, I, I don't care who judges me. He goes, I, I judge myself. My conscience is clear. Even that, that doesn't make me innocent. It's the Lord who judges me. And I just wanted you to think about that. Not, I'm not, not, you know, judging anyone here. I'm just saying, 
if what others say about you is, is, is pretty different from what God would say, chances are you've been far more concerned about your reputation than your character. And you want people to think that you're a certain type of person rather than being honest before the Lord. And uh, please believe me when I say this, I am the, I'm one of the last people on the earth that will judge you. I, I, I just... I just felt like I need to share this because I remember times, I remember a period in my life specifically when I was so deceptive and, and I would come into church and we'd sing these songs and I wouldn't have a real peace. Like I'd sing it and it was kind of there, but, but because my sin was with me, it's like when you're, you're, you're like David where, where he says, it felt like my bones were wasting away inside of me. You know, in Psalm 32 and Psalm 51, when he talked about those times when he held sin in and it was just like, ah, oh, everything's aching inside and, and, and you're miserable because you have the Holy Spirit in you. And so you don't really enjoy, like when you're, when you're in your sin, you don't really like it. I mean, you like it and you enjoy it, but it's not a total, oh, this is great because there's so much guilt because of the Holy Spirit being in you. And then you come to church and you try to worship and you enjoy it, but not totally because your sin is with you and you know you haven't repented. You know that there's still this, this fakeness about you. And, and you're not loving the Lord with all your heart and soul and mind. And so when you're in your sin, you're not totally fulfilled. When you're, you're, you're trying to worship or, or, or pray, you're not totally fulfilled because your sin is with you. And it's like you're in this weird gray area, never really fulfilled. And I remember those times. And just, you know, just like David says, oh, then I finally just confess it. I finally just let go of it. I finally just like, okay, here it is. Here's the truth about me. And he says, oh, it's all the life came back. But I remember those days that, you know, someone would say to me, those times when someone would go, hey, Francis, I need to talk to you about something. And my heart would just start pounding. Going, oh, no. Did they find out? You know? Anytime someone would say, hey, hey, I need to talk to you. And your heart just starts pounding. And then later on, they go, yeah, we want to know what you're doing next Friday night. And I go, Oh, good, good. That's all. You, you, know what I, you know what I'm talking about. That's why you're laughing. You know those moments when they say, I got to talk to you. And you're just like, ah, oh, do they know? Do they know? Do they know? Because I'm hiding something. And as I thought about that and I thought about this morning, I just thought that's my point in bringing this up is that freedom that comes when you just go, here it is. Here's the lie. Here is the lie. We've all been there. Come on, we've hidden it, and you let it go, and you go, there it is. It's like, okay, there, I said it, I move on, and I'm forgiven, um, accept the grace of God, we confess our sins to one another so that you can be healed, um, or you can go on pretending and have the reputation of being alive like that church in Sardis. Um, I remember doing this camp, um, and again, you need to get the tape from the last two services. It's a good message, but uh, I'm just going somewhere else right now. Um, One of my greatest times in ministry was doing this high school camp in Colorado. It must have been seven, eight years ago, and I still remember it. 
where I talked about honesty, something similar to this. And uh, when I was done, I sat down and the leaders of this conference, you know, probably massive five, 600 high school students. And the leaders come up to me and they say, we, we feel like the Lord wants us to do something different this tonight that we've never done before. I'm like, okay, go do it. He goes, no, I, we think you're supposed to <laughs> go up there with a microphone and just invite kids to confess their sins to everyone. And they don't have to, you know, make sure they understand. They don't have to, but maybe some of them want to. Don't worry, we're not doing it here. Everyone's like, <laughs> you know. Um, but, uh, but, but, but he said, you know, maybe, maybe there's just, for some people that have lied to a lot of people, maybe they just want to get it all out. And, and I'm like, all right, I'll trust you guys. You know, you're the leaders of this thing. I'm just here to serve you guys. So I grabbed the mic and said, hey, your leaders asked, me just to hold a mic up here and maybe some of you want to confess to everyone you don't have to the bible says you got to confess to the lord and the bible does say confess your sins to one another but that doesn't mean everyone um and even all these strangers i said but maybe you'll want to and uh this uh this guy gets up first you know a high school kid and you know it's kind of wonder who's going to go first and this one kid walks up and goes um you guys i i was cussing the other day I'm like, that's it? Okay, sit down. You know, um, <laughs> you know, it was a safe one. <laughs> uh, but, but, then, uh, but then this, you know, another guy gets up and he starts sharing about um, being addicted to pornography. And then uh, this gal gets up and she starts sharing about this relationship she's in that's gotten really physical and she knows it's absolutely wrong in the sight of the Lord and just confessing it to everyone saying, make sure I end this thing because I've known it's wrong for a long time. A couple more people shared, and then I remember this one kid came up, and this is what I'll never forget, big guy, you know, from Texas, where they're all corn-fed, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and this, you know, a senior in high school, big old guy, well, I guess he was one of the leaders in the, in the youth ministry, and, and he starts confessing. He goes, a lot of you guys have no clue who I am. He goes, when I was a freshman, you guys already saw me as a leader in our youth group. And uh, he goes, meanwhile, I was looking at pornography the whole time, but just hit it. It was my sophomore year. I started uh, messing around with this girl, and pretty soon we started sleeping together. Meanwhile, I led a Bible study on campus, my public school, and everyone saw me as this great Christian leader. And he just starts crying. He goes, last year, my junior year, I started getting uh, real tempted by homosexuality. And um, didn't tell anyone about it. Then I started just engaging in it. And then he could hardly even speak. He goes, it got so bad, I tried to talk my little brother. And then he just couldn't even say another word and I'm holding this mic going what 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 are you what are you saying in front of everyone high school students what what are what are they going to do and immediately like 30 or 40 of these high school students just stood up where they were and just rushed the stage and started hugging this guy and crying with him and and praying over him and I remember just, just standing there, just, just shocked by the whole thing. Going, what, what would possess a guy 
for a senior year to just, just, just throw all of that out there? But at that moment, it was just like he was so tired of lying. He was so tired. He didn't care what anyone else thought. He just goes, man, I just got to be honest. I got to just let it all out. Here it is. Here's who I am. And, and I tell you, it, was, it wasn't just that moment. It was what happened the rest of the night as they went back to their cabins and everything else. It was revival just broke out. I mean, because that's, that's what happens. When pe- because once he confessed that, everyone's like, okay, I killed two guys, you know. I, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, all right, here it is. It, it just took this, this honesty, like, wow. Wow, you just threw it all out there, laid it all out, and immediately there was just this outpouring of honesty. And it was like, wow, this is so refreshing. This is so amazing. This is so beautiful. Um, because the truth is, is there are secrets in this room. No one wants their garbage up on that screen. And, and yet, we start laying some of it out, and we realize... Okay, in this room, there's some, there's some hurting people, and there are some serious lies in here. Man, I know for 16 years I've had people shake my hand and say, nice sermon. Um, and then years later, you find out what was really going on in their lives, and you go, oh, you hit it? You hit it. And, and, and it's weird, we, we play, it's, it's, and I'm a people pleaser, man, I like people to like me, I like this and that, you, you, you know, and so, but you gotta, you, you gotta have this picture of this, this, this big God, this, this God we fear, this, this being that we come before at the end, and that's what Jesus was saying, he goes, recognize who I am, and while everyone else says you have a great reputation, I know the truth about you, that you're dead. And as I, I read that passage in, in Philippians where, where Paul says, man, I, I, I count everything as loss. And he just says, I just want to know Christ. Man, everything else is garbage right now. I, it's all rubbish. I don't care how famous I am. I don't care how much I did, how much I accomplished, all my righteousness. He goes, it's all rubbish. I just want to know Christ. Is that true of you? I mean, is it, is it really Christ that you love right now? Is it him that you desire? And I don't mean this concept of God. Like some of us are in love with this concept that there's a being up there, all powerful, who's shown us grace. I'm not saying that. I'm saying him. Not loving the concept, the idea of God, the idea of forgiveness. It's, it's, It's loving Jesus himself, the very person of God. Are you in love with him? And I saw, you know, as a, the, the, whatever, slides were going on in the beginning. You know, one of the books that was up there was Piper's book, God is the Gospel. Um, beautiful, beautiful book, but it deals with that very issue. You know, and he asks this question. He goes, man, if you could have heaven with everything, you know, I, I can't word it perfectly, but you know, no pain, no sickness anymore, all the physical pleasures you've ever tasted, all the best food you ever had, no trials, all the most beautiful scenery, but Christ was not there, would you be happy? You know, would you be content? In other words, is it this stuff that he offers that, that, that you love and want? And of course we want that stuff, but, or is it, is it him? See, God himself, he's the gospel. Jesus himself, it's like, oh, to have Jesus, to have the son of God, such a powerful, yet such a loving and graceful and merciful God. Oh, I love him, I love him, I love him. And that's what Paul's saying, I just want to know him. It's, it's not just all the theology I want to know. It's not just this great ministry I want to have. I just want to know him. 
And he says, and I, and I want to know the power of his resurrection. Don't you want the power of his resurrection to, to, to say, you know what? I, all this other stuff, man, I just know there have been times in my life when I experienced his power, when I experienced him. And it's the real thing. I didn't manipulate it. I didn't force anything. It was just like, wow, that was serious. Holy Spirit power. That's beyond any other pleasure on this earth. It's just I experienced God. Is that still the longing of your heart? that you want to know him, you want to know his power. But then he goes on and he says, and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. See, I, I would have amen the first two, but then you get to that third part where you go, oh man, I want Christ so bad. I want to share in his sufferings. I want that fellowship that I would have as I suffered with him. You see, we can uh, get in this mode where we're like, okay, I want Christ, but not that much Christ. Honestly, I, I remember being a Christian in high school. When I first gave my life to the Lord, I, I remember one of my first prayers was, God, I just, I don't want to lose my friends. I don't want to lose any popularity. You know, it, 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 it took a while to get here, you know. Um, and now that I've, not that I was like the most popular kid in school, but it's just cool to have some friends. And, uh, and I was like, okay, Lord, just don't let me lose anything now that I'm following you. Um, and I didn't, I, honestly, I didn't want to be like Jesus. I didn't want to be rejected. I didn't want to be like Christ. And the beautiful thing was no one told me I had to be. You know? I just thought, okay, good. I'm going to be this cooler version of Jesus where the holiness, you know, I just don't want to be rejected. I don't want to be spit on him and nailed to a cross. And no one told me I had to be, you know? They didn't say following Jesus meant literally following Jesus. And they didn't tell me, you know, that anyone who claims to know him must walk as Jesus walked. They didn't tell me that Jesus says, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. They didn't tell me that, that Jesus says no servant's greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you also. They didn't tell me, 2 Timothy 3.12, that anyone who, anyone who desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. They didn't tell me, Philippians 1, verse 29, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. They didn't tell me that. They didn't tell me, you know, that, that, that 1 Peter 4 says, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. They just said, just, just pray this prayer and then raise your hand and you get to go to heaven. Right? And they didn't lay it out and say, no, you're, you're saying you're going to follow Jesus. And following Jesus means you become like him. It means you become, you may be rejected like him, but then you'll be glorified like him. And in uh, and, and, and this desire for Jesus himself, I just didn't want to go to hell. That was it. You know, right? Let's be honest. I mean, most of us, I don't want to go there. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll raise my hand and uh, I'll come forward if you want. Um, but, but you realize as you go on in life and you read this book for yourself, you're going, okay, he's called me to follow him. That's what, the, the, you know, he's called me to die to myself, and that's what baptism is, and follow him, pick up my cross and follow him, and to see him is so valuable that you go, ooh, I just got to have Jesus. I want to know him. I want the power of his resurrection. I want the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. I, I just want it all. I want to become like him in his death, 
and because we all want to become like him in his glory. And again, I just, I, I ask you to just be honest with God today and say, God, I, I'm not wanting some of that. And I, I haven't had that desire for you so much. I've wanted comfort. I've wanted pleasure. I've wanted all of these other things far more than I've wanted to know you. And that's what I believe the Holy Spirit has led me to share with this service and to give you some time. We're not going to have an open mic to have you share your sins. Um, but, but, but you know how like uh, in Hebrews it talks about how some of those saints, even though they're dead, they still speak. Like there's still a power, something lasting about their lives. And uh, maybe this is one of those things where that kid, I don't even remember his name, but the honesty of that kid who just said, here's what you all think of me, but here's the truth. Let me be honest. Maybe that that testimony could still speak for us today. Um, that you would just look at your own life and say, where is it? What is it about my reputation You know, can we have the worship team just come up and um, I don't know if you guys, yeah, there you are. Maybe just play softly and, and if we could have um, the prayer team, the service, just kind of get along the sides of the room. I just want, I want you to, I want you to have peace. I feel peace just telling you some of that stuff and throwing it out at you and going, okay, Francis Chan has this reputation. Um, but lately I've loved other things. And even the Lord was revealing to me, you know, he, his Holy Spirit gives us power, right? He didn't give us a spirit of weakness, but of power and love and self-control. And a lot of times, you know, when we struggle with sin, we get angry at God and say, God, why didn't you take away that desire? Have you ever done that? Like you pray and say, God, deliver me from this. Deliver me, deliver me. You know, I'm struggling with lust. You know, so take away my, my love to look at women. You know, and then you look at a woman and you stare at her and go, didn't work, I still like them. You know, and it's like, God, what were you doing? Why didn't you listen, you know? And, but, but God, you know, and I've heard people say that, whether it's with drugs, whether it's alcohol, I beg God to take it away, take it away, take it away. But that's not how God usually works. God says, I gave you a spirit of self-control. I gave you a spirit of power. It's just like the trials. We say, God, fix the trial. Take away the, fix the problem. He says, no, what? I want to give you the strength to make it through the problem. I'm not taking away that, that fleshly desire. I'm giving you a new desire. I'm giving you a spirit of self-control that you can resist these temptations and actually you personally flee from them. That's why he loved when Solomon didn't say, hey, destroy all my enemies, get rid of this, get rid of this, get rid of this. He goes, just give me the wisdom. Give me the wisdom so I can figure this out. Give me the strength so that I can be powerful enough over this. Give me the self-control so that I don't give in to this sin anymore. 
See, that's the prayer we ought to pray. And maybe some of us have just said, God, take it away. And we almost get mad at God that he didn't take away this desire. And he says, no, I've given you my spirit and my grace, and that's sufficient for you. You can make it through this trial. I'll help you. I'll give you the strength to persevere through it. I'll give you the wisdom to work through this situation. Honestly, sometimes as a pastor, I've even asked God to remove certain people from the congregation. And uh, we're being honest here. You know, and, and, uh, and God's answer is, no, I give you a spirit of love to love the person through that. Don't pray they would leave or die, you know. (laughs) This is honest service, okay? Just, that's a dumb prayer. Pray for yourself that you would be able to love through that. So with your desires and everything else, it's it's a time where you say, God, I'm I'm weak right now. And you've given me a spirit of power, love, and self-control. So don't take those things away. By your grace, empower me to make it through the trial, to love this person through it, to show self-control through all this flesh that wants to go that direction. Make me a man or woman of God. So as we just pray and sing and take of communion, maybe some of you just want to come up and kneel and just start confessing things to the Lord. And maybe some of you need to take another step of confessing to someone else. And that's what these leaders and counselors are here for. And maybe it's even someone sitting next to you that you feel more comfortable just confessing to. You say, look, here's the truth about me. I'm feeling sick because I've been lying about this. I know, gosh, I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to just, I'm just going to stay up here and just get on my knees and pray for you. Because I know some of these lies have gone on for so long and, and, and you don't just say a word and you go, okay, I'm just going to confess this big old lie. Man, it's going to be a move of the Holy Spirit for that to happen. And so I'm just going to be up here praying for you, begging that the Spirit just works in you, not to judge you, but so that you can be free and you can walk out here without that burden of deception anymore. So just spend some time praying to God. Feel free to get on your knees. Feel free to go pray with one of the leaders. Feel free to sing, take communion, whatever the Lord leads. But I'm just going to be on my knees praying for you that the Holy Spirit would speak to you right now.